Welcome to Great Minds, the podcast. We have an extraordinary treat today. With us is the co-founder of Gravity Road out of London, but you're originally out of Scotland, I believe, Mr. Mark Boyd. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Matt. Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Scotland, London, and now New York. So. And now New York, yeah. which we'll talk about. So Mark and I met along with his partner, the esteemed Mark Eves, when we first went over to London and has been an absolutely uh, invaluable piece of the Advertising Week Europe team right from the beginning. It's a real family affair with you and your partner, Mr. Eves, and Rebecca Eves, who works for us uh, out of our London office as well. And you are truly the uh, inspiration in a very tangible way of Great Minds, the podcast, because it's drawn from the line that you came up with, which is our global marketing campaign, Great Minds Think Unalike. Tell us about that, how that first came up, and you are the creative genius behind what we think is a terrific line that really captures our DNA, great minds think unalike. Well, uh, we, yeah, we met, um, I think we met, what did we meet about six years ago yeah, in London? maybe we, a little more. We, yeah, we, we all met, and you were, you were setting up in um, London, and we were uh, at a kind of early stage, and... and like you, we had a perspective that was kind of broader than uh, just advertising. So we were interested in entertainment and technology and and, and brands. And um, I think at the time we were doing, we we had no clients. We had done our our first bit of creative work, which was a, a comedy show for um, for Channel Four. And um, we started uh, working with you guys. And I think we had the first kind of promotional uh execution for um ad week we were all meeting people and uh, and things like that and then um you briefed us to come up with a kind of overarching campaign and um working with a team we got to we got to that line and um it's that you always feel that with work when you see something that um has a great truth and a great power and an excitement and you show it to people and it doesn't need any explanation and everybody nods. Um, I, I remember the first time we looked at it, we, we, we felt excited about that. I know you guys did. And it, it's lovely to see when you go to Ad Weeks around the world, you, you see how that has kind of stood the test of time, particularly at the moment. So yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're really excited about I it. I want to come back to it and I'll share some of our struggle over the years to get our branding right, which for Advertising Week is somewhat ironic that it was very difficult for us. And we made a mm. lot of mistakes along the way. But let's talk a little about you and your journey uh, from Scotland to London to here to New York. You've got a background. You've worked in a lot of big agencies. So walk us through your, you know, the early days of Mark Boyd. And <laughs> yeah. remember, remember, there were children listening. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> so uh, the, the journey, well, I, I mean, I, I came to... Uh, when I arrived in London, I made this a, a, a reasonably short um, <laughs> short story. When I arrived in London, I briefly started in the civil service as a researcher on a short term job on something that was related to my degree. It was quite fun and had um, you know worked on the House of Lords and built on the bill. But that was a fixed term contract, and I then went to work at Virgin uh, when Virgin was a sort of powerhouse brand and was launching media companies and doing lots of right. stuff and lots of the radio station and getting into early internet stuff. Uh, and that was fantastically exciting, and it was at the time of Britpop breaking, and there was so much music. And seems like a lot. Around. A lot of people who we know now who have really achieved at a high level started at Virgin. Well, I think I, I think a lot of people start in Virgin, and I think uh, for those of us who are maybe a bit older, actually, particularly around the radio space, 
radio had a much greater freedom than other mediums. There was a time when radio proudly called itself the fastest growing medium um, in um, in the UK. Um, and there were just less rules and there was more space and time and, and it gave people kind of freedom that was that were all that was that was really interesting and it, it's um it's funny when you see back i mean ironically we're now uh you know talking on a podcast that connects back to the phenomenal growth we we've seen in that space recently so yeah really enjoyed that was at virgin um then went to work with uh went to work at um phd after meeting uh jonathan durden and i went to work at drum phd with the fantastic tess alps um and um Lawrence and Simon there um was involved so Drum PhD was doing some of the most creative stuff in the media space and we were creating we had funded TV shows and playing with the rules and and um um creating unusual partnerships to get to interesting work and when you were at PhD Mark were all three founders was David Nick and Jonathan all there they were all there um although I was in PhD uh, drum PhD which is a slightly different unit but they were they were all there and David we'd remained really close to David is is the chairman of Gravity Road today so um so yeah that that was a, that was a fantastically fun time and particularly I worked closely with Tess Alps who um I respect tremendously and learnt so much from, and I find myself quoting uh, and speaking and encouraging people at Gravity Road, and I find myself referring back and quoting Tess a lot. And um, one particular, I was talking to somebody the other day who was very excited about a project and lost confidence before they talked to a client. And I had an anecdote to hand about going down in the lift with Tess to meet a client, and I had a very brave, bold idea. And I remember in the lift crumpling and saying to Tess, I can't do this, I think it's wrong. Uh, I really don't think we should do that. And she looked at me and said, darling, in life there are leaders and followers, and what people are looking for is leaders to step, to, to pop their head above the turret and say this way, and they'll follow, and um, uh, and it was and it was uh, she inspired me. Went into the meeting, client loved the work, bought it. It was tremendously success- successful. So uh, that was that was a great great time. And um, then I went to which is now fortuitously seems super smart, but then was left field. I got a call from somebody at Hutchinson Wampoa who had bought the 3G, one of the 3G licenses in the UK for, I think, about 4.3 billion or something. Uh, and um, they said, would I come and work in Maidenhead on three, working out what 3G technology was? And I said, no. And did you have any technology background or was it really just a Marcom's project? No, it, it, was, it was absolutely, it was a marketing. It was a marketing uh, uh, project and particularly just to understand uh, how that would work and um, they said would you come and I said no and they said how much do you earn and I told them and, and I started on Monday um, and because uh, it was a technology business and, yeah, and things were yeah. very different and it, it was super exciting I was there for a year uh, and uh, you know at that stage we didn't have any phones it was it was just before iPhone and so we were doing research with consumers. We were giving them magic wands. And we were saying, imagine going around your day and where are the moments of frustration and use the magic wand and record what the magic wand would do and we'll see if we can make that happen in a phone. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm out in the street. I don't know where to go. I don't know what time the bus will come at. I don't know how 
how I can find out what's on in the theatre. All the stuff that the iPhone then did. And um, I left uh, there a year later. The, f- the, f- the launch of the film was still some way off. Um, and I wanted to come back to agency life in London. I came to do a startup at TBWA and was there for a year before I got a call from uh, BBH and uh, Gwyn and Nigel and John to come and uh, join them. And um, that was a super exciting opportunity. At the, at the time, uh, everybody at BBH was sort of in Channel 4 and, um, uh, and other media companies trying to do ad-funded shows and a whole lot of things. And they were burning a huge amount of time. And I think it was Nigel and John said to Channel 4, this doesn't work. Who can help us? And they said, you should go and speak to Mark. And Tell, tell me about because we've him. had him speak a number of times and I've had lunch with him at the Groucho a bunch and he's a lovely guy. But what was it like to work with Sir John Haggerty? Because he really is one of, on the creative side, he's one of the top in the world. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, personally, I was uh, up on the creative floor. I had an office which was about sort of four or five Away from John, he was an early bird. I was an early bird. He would have uh, lots of casual time chatting about stuff. And he is, uh, you know, all the things everybody says. Uh, a gentleman, gent, passionate, insightful, uh, encouraging, um, all, all of those things. Um, so that that so that that was uh, really exciting. He. he he can be very he can be very firm as well he's a strong obviously a strong point of view on the world and um yeah he's just created this fantastically exciting uh culture there and at the time i was there they were doing some of the best work they were agency of the year consistently do you remember um, any of the big projects that you worked on? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did lots of... I mean, Audi was a founder client at uh, BBH. So um, I did lots of Audi. And um, in fact, back in the day, uh, the, one of the big projects I did early on um, was we found a loophole in some TV regulations. This is pre-YouTube. Found, uh, we, uh, at the time, Audi... Uh, BBH was just a bit about to get fired from uh, Audi, their um, founder client. So uh, everybody was going, do something, do something. And um, I found a loophole in some TV, European TV regulations that would allow, uh, what was it called? Uh, 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 it, it was a, a license we thought was actually designed for hospitals and things like that, or for people who wanted to self-broadcast. And no brand had ever had a TV channel before, no advertised brand. And so we did a reverse takeover of a TV channel on the Sky platform, much to Sky's chagrin. And we ran, I bought 500 hours of Australian soap operas for about 500 pounds and ran them on it for six months because we couldn't, over three months because we couldn't change the channel and then launched uh, Audi uh, content on the channel. And the funny thing was this, this um, soap opera was called Breakers and we thought it would have no audience, but actually by the time we canned the content, people were in uproar because they'd fall in love <laughs> with this cheap uh, soap opera, but, and, which was very good, I should say. Uh, um, and then we ran, we, we, we were creating a whole host of uh, uh, content on there. So... Um, it was never a competitor to ITV or any of the big broadcasters, but we knew there were 100,000 people in market at any one time that would buy one of these cars. So if we got 60,000 of them to the channel, that would be great. 
uh, and uh, you know we only we only need a few few people viewing. So some of the content would be big hero content. Some of the content would be in stuff like this interviews. Some of it would be really quite specific. If you were after an A4, and there would be somebody walking around the car and talking about it and things like that. And um, it was it was a fantastic fun project. It was you know I remember when it launched. You know it was on page two of the FT. It was you know. Uh, advertisers reinvent how they communicate with people. Um, I remember the dealers initially thought it was a disaster. And I remember going to a dealer conference three months after the thing launched and dealers were going, it's incredible. People walk into the dealership really educated about, you know, what kind of car they want right. and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that was kind of big project. But you were talking, um, Heg, it was, it was funny because I remember a very specific conversation with him. Uh, where he was going, uh, he was being, he was describing the creative quality of some of the shows as suboptimal. I use that word, and I was going, "Well, what word? What word well, did he I, use?" I can't, I can't remember. It was a while ago, but he was. Uh, but the point was, it, the uh, the production budget on a minute of our of our shows was or, on five. You know, on a minute of our shows was probably. Six thousand pounds, and the production budget on his latest idea had was um, six hundred thousand pounds. So it was very different. But it was it was interesting because it was you know there was an early conversation pre YouTube as that thing was kind of starting about how um, you know what what, it, what 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 quality do you need in different spaces? All the stuff we've we've yeah. all come to wrestle with and yeah. understand. And Hearing your your journey, you know. You've been really blessed to work with some real great minds. I mean, you look at the founders of PhD, you know, a legendary shop. You know, you look at BBH and Sir John and Nigel and that team, you know, a legendary shop. How did they influence you early on? What were the big takeaways when you look back now, jumping ahead? That was about 15 years ago, the period you're describing. Here we are 15 years later. What stayed with you? Um, well, the, the, you mentioned John, the, Nigel was the, the other great mind that had a great influence on me. And I sat down, Nigel Bogle, Nigel Bogle, sat yeah. down with Nigel, uh, for, for every two weeks for, for most of my career. And, um, it was always fun. You would see people outside Nigel's office even great minds like jim carroll or whoever people would you would see people uh steal themselves for uh, a, a conversation with nigel and i thought what was interesting was at the time i felt um yeah i was younger i was quite cocky not cocky but i i felt confident i knew my space and i knew the people in it very well and uh, I'd go in and do was I would chat to Nigel about stuff and he would have a kind of point of view on something. And I always found it fascinating the way he could just pivot his gargantuan brain from whatever he was thinking about before I walked in. And I would talk and he would say something. And I remember sometimes, I remember a few times you just... It's like you're sort of winded. You just go, oh, my God, that's brilliant. You know, he, would, right. he would come up with an insight on something that you had been working around and you knew really well and, and things like that. And he would come up with an insight or a way of articulating it or a way of seeing it that uh, 
would um, really cause you to pause and and um, and take your breath away and walk out the door kicking yourself, going, "God, that's so good! I wish I could have done that." And and so that is um, that is super smart. Other great minds, you know, Jim. Jim Carroll is, and I think this is very much um, John Bartle, who I didn't had left the business at the time, and I had met a couple of times, but don't know as well. But um, Jim Carroll, one of those incredibly smart planners, who can take complexity and articulate solutions and ideas in an incredibly simple way, often using popular culture. He would do these brilliant talks to people through the through lyrics of uh, 80s Britpop or 80s indie music or, or uh, Renaissance art or something like that but he could he could um, you know I think that that's the most beguiling thing I, one of the things I'm most attracted to is people super smart people who can communicate complexity in a really uh, not just accessible but a compelling way you know, through culture and things like that. Right. That's, that's one, one of the, one of the take outs. So let's, let's jump ahead to uh, your partnership with uh, Mr. Mark Eves and the founding of Gravity Road. Where did you and Mark meet? Um, Mark and I met at uh, Drum uh, uh, years ago. Uh, uh, Mark was monogamous and he stayed at Drum and ran the shop and, and, took it to great uh, creative and, and uh, commercial success. And I went off and did, as I've, I've kind of rambled through a few other things. And we came back together because we always referenced each other's work. Mark would do something and I'd go, God, that's really good. I wish I'd done that. And equally, you know, he liked, uh, he liked our work too. And um, there was actually a third partner, I can say that now, who we, were, we met for about three years. And um, we we would meet in this particular restaurant that was uh, that was quite a long way from anywhere, but we thought nobody would meet. And it was very it was, it was Le Bouchon in in it's a place in Covent Garden. It was black and red, and we thought the only other people there were having affairs. Right, uh, and so we thought we wouldn't get caught out. So we were three of us would be there. We would meet, and we talked for about three years. And, and we'd go right. We're about to press a button, then, and somebody would go, oh, "Listen, I've got this killer bonus. I, I've got to see this through. Right. Or I've got a great project. I've got to see this through." And then we finally went. We're going to go. I think I can say this now, candidly. We. We had uh, sold in a comedy show idea to Channel 4 and they said, uh, who are we going to give the money to? And uh, we said, us. So you saw the project before you had a company? We, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, sort of? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Okay. And and um, uh, and so to us, and we had an office and got a production team up and up and running. The office might have been on the same road as the agency. And we, and we were kind of going. We said, right, we're going to do this now. And um, our third partner, we all held hands looking in each other's eyes, went, right, tomorrow's day, we're kind of pressing the button to go. Yeah. And he bottled it in the now morning. Now, that's a big leap to yeah. go from the security of being part of a big shop, PhD, drum, TBWA, BBH. You know you're getting a paycheck every week or two weeks. What was that leap like to entrepreneurship and no guarantees? Um, it's, yeah, it's the most visceral um, 
it's the yeah, it's an, it's an extraordinary thing because everybody who says to you before, this is brilliant and we're going to call you the next day and give you business, don't call. And the people you didn't expect and people you didn't know are incredibly generous and kind of gets people going. Um, everybody's incredibly... Uh, thing I will say, you know, if somebody says I'm starting up something or can I come and chat to you, I will say yes, because well, everybody was incredibly generous to us uh, with advice and help and introductions and things like that. That was great. So my point, my point about the people who don't, don't call, we, we, you have to be good citizens when you're leaving. And we were three months in, two months into it, and a client, a global client called and said... I've been trying to get hold of you. I always wanted to work with you, but I couldn't work with BBH. Um, and that was at um, Bacardi. And could you come in and actually I've got something I need help with on Friday. So, you know, we were, we were lucky like that. Um, other anecdotes, I, I just, I like, um, I remember there was, there was a moment Mark and I were making ourselves tea and we opened the fridge and there was no milk. Right. And, I was so used to being at BBH where not only was the milk, there were six different types of milk right. and you didn't have to think about those things. And um, that came to bear on the, I think about our third week, we had a uh, meeting with Mark Mature, who was the sort of um, CMO, the senior marketer at uh, Unilever behind Keith Weed. And um, so we had a meeting with the biggest uh, global marketer and FMCG products. And we went back to the office and there was no loo roll. And I looked out at some of the young people who were working for us and I went, I can't ask them to get loo roll. So I walked out into Soho for the first time in my career going, where would I buy loo roll? And I, I had absolutely no idea. So it's, it's those highs and lows are, are, are really um, exciting. As everybody says, you feel, you feel each of those more than you ever did before. Right. It's more personal than it, it ever was before. Um, but you know, there's something about the kind of hair shirting of it, of the, the, um, you know, some pe people take different routes. Some people take, uh, need a lot of investment at the start because they need big salaries and they need swanky offices and they need those things. And, and we didn't feel that we needed that. So, um, that makes the journey, I think, all the more rewarding. And let's just track the growth from the start to where we are now. Now we're in London. We've gone and on from Carnaby Street to a much bigger platform. You've made the leap across the Atlantic and are now based here in New York in America. And we made the leap now to Europe as well with Paris as well. So we do, we, the UK and Europe is becoming, you know, the team we're in this week in Munich and in Amsterdam. Um, I'm now in New York. Um, you know, it does feel... Um, yeah, I think we 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 had a good story at the at the right moment, and I think we we um, you know it's been a, a wave which we've managed to kind of ride pretty successfully since then. And going back to the early work you were talking about with Audi, you were really ahead of the game on the whole business of creation of original content and short form content. How big a part of the business is that today for you? I think. Um, I think that's still uh, still a, a, a big part of it. I mean, we live in a, a visual world, and I think what happened since then is particularly the phone has transformed everything. And um, we're doing a lot of work with 
brands across connected platforms. So where that links through your Instagram, uh, your Facebook, all your feeds together, your TikTok, whatever. Uh, so I think our, our ability to uh, come up with ideas that worked in that space uh, was really compelling. I, I, I think as well, I think what's been harder for a lot of other businesses is if your mindset is about advertising, which is about telling people things, right? it's organically going to be, it's going to be harder to create ideas that people want to spend time with. Um, and I think that, that, that has always been our filter. Um, things that people want to spend time with, uh, that notion of time well spent. Um, and that service really well, because those, those, that's the shape that ideas need to be um, in, in, um, for, you know, in, in contemporary culture. Um, so I think that's I think that's been good. I think we we got you know the gang at Gravity Road we're culturally interested and curious and playful and um, I think it's 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 helped us not having um, anyone looking over our kind of shoulders and it's allowed us to do some fun playful work and I I, I think that that spirit has sort of vested um, everything that we're doing. I think you know we've all sort of felt if if there's something we fancy doing making a comedy show if we if, if youtube are putting out briefs to production companies to come up with ideas for an original channel uh, we'll go well we could do that we we quite fancy doing that and and somebody at youtube says well it's not for agencies and we go well we're not an agency we're we're a creative business we'll have a go and then we you know we go and win it and um you know through that we meet jamie oliver and you know we and, and North One and a whole range of really interesting creative businesses, and we work with them going forward. I mean, it's interesting. We, we're, you know, Jamie, for example, is somebody we're we're still working with and uh, and helping um, now. So you know, working with we we do really well with talent and with IP and um, lots of lots of people in, in that kind of space. So fact, I, was, I was just going to say, when, uh, the anecdote I was, I was like, and I'm really finding this in the US because I'm doing quite a few projects with, with people where they go, uh, so technology businesses who are going, listen, could you help us with our comms? You know, we, we want to um, uh, land this idea in culture and we want to build an audience and customers and things like that. So could you help us with comms? And um, and I'm going yes, you know, great. Well, I'd, I'd love to do that. And I'm going actually. Also, I've got this, I've got this client who'd be really interested in doing something with you as well. So we're doing work for them. We're bringing work, and that's always been sort of part of our, our spirit. We've had a kind of broader perspective that's um, allowed us to go in lots of different um, directions. You and Mark are the founders and the you know the real creative great minds behind gravity road but you've built a pretty big team talk about the challenges of finding people some of the mistakes along the way because when you are a founder-led business lance and i have this challenge getting the right people in the right positions you know is tough yeah tell us about that where you've had success and where you've had some failure yeah the our, you know, our business is, is not a particularly complex business. You know, 60-odd percent of our costs are people. And we just need to have the best people. If we can get the best people, we'll get to the best work and everything kind of flows from there. So 
when we're uh, at our uh, best, we're being really rigorous about that. We are uh, doing a first interview with people, which is as much us positioning and selling a bit of ourselves and getting to grips with them. We're doing a second interview where we really understand them. We're doing a third call out where we call somebody with a problem at six o'clock one night and we ask them to come in six o'clock the next night. So there's no time to write a presentation or anything like that. We want to see how they think. So they're, we're working through a problem or a something that's happening. And we, we see how they think. We're then getting them to do a couple of, uh, I was doing that beforehand, just briefing the team on uh, somebody we're interviewing in the US uh, just now. They do a couple of cultural interviews with people to see whether they fit. Um, and then, you know, we see them again. And so we, we're just. But, kind but of, yeah, they get thrown into the frying pan pretty quickly. They get thrown into the frying pan pretty quickly. And I think what I, I always uh, am amazed by at Gravity Road is that as a team, we have such a strong sense of the culture and the vibe. And if it doesn't work, uh, it self-heals. We hear invariably in the first week, three people come up and say they're not Gravity Road or it's not working out and it doesn't work for them. And, and so it's, and I think you get that with high-performing teams. I think when everybody's looking over at each other and we're, we're going, um, you know, we're, um, we're part of a winning team when people don't fit uh, um, that in the same well, way. It's a little bit of Charles Darwin, it's right? A little bit of Charles Darwin. Um, I think we've we've tried to, uh, and I think we've been pretty good at um, keeping a very diverse culture. So there are lots of people who come from um, different places. A, eh? we, we we've got really good diversity within the business, and we do a no- we have a number of kind of initiatives. Um, with schools and creative schools and things like that that really help us with us in places like the School of Communication Arts in Brixton and, and things like that. that. That stuff's really helped us. We get people from um, other places. So there are quite a few people with really fun journalistic backgrounds who've written a relationship column for a national newspaper or, or, or done various things. And there's a, a comedy writer that we bring in who um, thinks advertising people are mad and has never worked in advertising, but uh, has worked on every famous, uh, any one of your favorite British comedies of, you know, the last kind of 20 years on BBC two or BBC four. So I've been able to bring in um, good people uh, from different places, I think is, is, uh, is good, but, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's tough. We've got a, we've got our first head of brand and people, just now and keeping that culture right. going is something that we have to kind of invest in and double down a lot. And um, I can't stress how important it is. It is the single, it's a very simple thing. It's the single most uh, differentiating uh, uh, quality that we have. We got the best people. We'll do the best work. We'll be the most successful business. And the great minds come from all different places and spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So about two years ago, uh, Gravity Road changed and became part of a larger enterprise. Tell us about that journey with David Jones and you and Mr. Jones. Yeah, so we were, we were our work was traveling a lot. So we were doing a lot in, uh, uh, we were with clients quite a lot in the US. We were doing a lot of work with American talent. We were working with 
American publishers. People like agents. Kevin Hart, who we also Kevin, are working with. Kevin Hart, yeah. that you're working with. And, uh, you know, you're doing stuff with Dwayne Wade here and Corden and a whole range of people. Uh, and, and the Tribeca Film Festival and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to come over and do America. Um, and I think the second thing we were, we were very cognizant of is technology was fundamentally, and it was accelerating, changing our lives as consumers, as punters, and it was radically changing the business for our clients. And it was going to have a, an even bigger impact in the communication space. And we needed to get access to good tech. And we came over and we had a couple of chats and it was pretty clear to us that, you know, the big groups have the bottom feeding tech often. It, it's the stuff that you can't monetize elsewhere and they bought it uh, three years ago overpriced and they're still flogging the arse out of it and things like that. We wanted to get access to some of the freshest, most exciting tech. And uh, we were, um, well, to great credit, we were, we were um, introduced to David via the fantastic uh, Matt Chetner, who oh, said, yeah. Why, you, why, why, thank you, yeah. thank you. <laughs> the the, uh, the checks in the post, the, 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 who said, you, got, you guys must meet. And um, we, we sat down with David and he was talking about his kind of portfolio of very diverse uh, tech investments in the brand tech space. So technology that would have a, pl- uh, have a, a role in brand communications going forward. And he had a few ideas of what happened at the center of that, so data and business consultancy, but wanted a strong, energetic, uh, creative business at the heart of that, um, who could work with big clients and look at strategic and creative solutions and then being able to pull in and use uh, some of that technology. Um, And the thing that was really compelling for us was... uh, what the group does is it takes minority investments in a lot of that tech. So you still have founder-led tech businesses. So the, you know, the, the, the woman or the guy at the start who created the thing is still, still driving it. And it's, an, it's on a great trajectory. So they're taking minority investments in these, in these things. And um, we could get going. So, you know, the, the bench is pretty, is pretty strong. You, you know, it's people that... John Hankey was doing Google Earth for Second Brain and had gone on to create um, Niantic and um, uh, the company created Pokemon Go or, right. um, you know, stuff that um, Lars Butler is doing at um, uh, um, AI Foundation with um, AR, AI chatbot technology or the AI v- editing solution that is allowing us to crunch what you know we did a project recently where we would have delivered yeah i don't know whether we delivered something like 2000 creative assets and that would have taken a a group six months and five hundred thousand pounds worth of fee and we delivered we were able to deliver those in sort of 48 hours for a fraction of that cost right um, through ai um editing tools so there's there's it's really exciting there are some fantastic capabilities around us whether data, uh, data influencers, um, AI, all, all of these kind of, um, all of the acronyms, um, that we'll be able, able to pull on, you know, as and when we need them. And, you know, we're still working with lots of other people outside the group. But it, it's, it's, it, it, it's super exciting because it's just, it's become uh, such an important 
story in the business. And the group is becoming a destination for a lot of clients who are, you know, we, we get a kind of a lot of distress calls, you know. Uh, I'm unhappy with my current solution and with the status quo, there must be something that's more dramatic. Uh, there must be something that's more interesting. Um, you know, Dave talks about the group being better, faster, cheaper. I think Graph Zero would say better, faster, more effective, um, uh, more efficient. Um, you know, we, we can come up with a really kind of compelling uh, alternative solution. And what, what, what's exciting about it is we're, uh, you know, it's the right story at the right time. Lo- lots of people want to hear this, and we are... Um, running circles around the competition and um, is leading some pretty dramatic growth on our side. Yeah, I have a lot of respect and admiration for David. And I think we met him right when we started Advertising Week, way back when. He was with the, the Havas family way back when. And I always felt he had a real feel for where we are now, but more importantly, where we're going. And he sort of gets to the future before a lot of other people. And I think I'm glad it's worked out. It's a great marriage with Gravity Road and, and David. So you've gone from London, one great world city, to now living with Sophie, your beautiful partner, and Honor, your beautiful, equally beautiful daughter, living here in New York City. How do you like New York? What's not to like? It's it's awesome. It's uh, you know it, it's been um, that's been uh for fantastic fun as a young family just kind of exploring the city and it's very friendly we have a dog here as well uh but um you know new york's got such a kind of energy to it we've met uh lots of brilliant people um yeah we 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 love it you know you walk out the door we were wandering around the lower east side the other day you know uh, finding um, you know, fantastic Italian delis next to a tea shop for with cats, where people could have, go and have a cup of tea and a cat and, and stroke a cat. Uh, you know, there's just there's just so much to kind of um, explore. There's just great energy. So we are really enjoying uh, New York just now. I mean, I think uh, I think we've come to understand working in New York means you're um, in and out of an airport a lot. People call you at four o'clock and say, can we meet tomorrow? And then you look at it afterwards and they're in Boston and you're up at four in the morning or we're over, you know, I'm over in the West Coast quite a lot and I've been back and forth to Seattle and San Francisco and LA a lot and I'm there in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, we're we're seeing, I'd like to say we're seeing a lot of America. We're seeing a lot of the coasts just now, but um, uh, more of that. But we're... we're, um, We've really liked the culture here. People are so friendly. And I, I, one of the things I love about New York most is everybody is from somewhere else but self-identifies New Yorkers. And I think that yeah. makes it the most welcoming place. I, it, it amazes me that I am uh, now a New Yorker. Uh, um, and I, 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 I really like uh, that. Listen, yeah. we all come from somewhere else. Right behind where you're sitting is a certificate up on the wall from Ellis Island. My grandfather, uh, Ben Goralski came from Russia right. and 15 million of us yeah. here in America came through Ellis Island. So by definition, everybody here is from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I think that gives New York such a wonderful energy. I think London has a very similar, yeah, I think you know, does. I think a little older, they got a lot more generations, yeah. you know, in the bank over in, in, in England and, and Europe more broadly. But that energy I, I think comes from, you know, 
that spirit of immigrants yeah. here in yeah. New York. And I love the line in Hamilton where, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda brilliantly wrote, you know, immigrants, we get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, very oh, vitally important, you know, yeah. still for the energy and the economy of America. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 there is that old, uh, is it Churchill quote about two nations divided by a common language? There are lots, there are lots of differences, which I find uh, constantly uh, interesting and surprising, not least that yesterday a project hit a road bump because a date on a contract had been entered the British way, which would be day, month, right, and year. Right. And somebody spotted that um, we had done it the wrong way around. So, you know, there's, there's those everyday subtleties that just make, uh, make, make it kind of richer and, uh, uh, and, and fun as well. But, uh, yeah, I, and, you know, we, we, we're managing that as a team. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of work in the morning with the UK office, uh, European office as well, um, and then you know you, you know it becomes quite a long day. Yeah, as well. but, oh, yeah, yeah but I think it's interesting. Fun. You wake up and you don't know what country. You know, I wake up this morning and I had you know stuff from our team in Africa, from London, yeah. from Asia, from Sydney. It's exciting. Yeah, it, it is exciting. Sometimes it's terrifying because yeah. you go. I went. I went to bed and it was in control, and then right, you, you, right. you open it. Yeah, you go. I did. How did that get from there to there in, you know, while I was sleeping? But yeah, uh, uh, yeah but uh, most of that, uh, most of that is fine. And then you also, you know, you become, you know, there's a whole new language, you know, which, which airline, which lounge, which points. Yep. You know, th- things that I, you know, the George Clooney up in the air film I used to laugh about. I can see myself becoming more and more of with that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's absolutely, uh, every day is different, that's for sure. Every day is different. So at the top, I was talking about how grateful Lance and I and our team here globally is that you came up with that brilliant, great minds think on a like line, which really captures us in so many ways. And I should, I should just say, I, I want to credit, uh, it was Verity Fenner who came up with that line, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and the, and the team around it, but um, yeah, no, it's it's we're we're really proud of it. Well, listen, the passion that you and your partner uh, Mark Eves have, and I think you know, I love watching your partnership. I think it's you know, you really play to each other's strengths. I think you know, here Lance and I, you know, work very hard to try to do the same, and um, but your ability to keep your finger on the pulse, you know, what you're doing over here to grow your business globally across Europe and the U.S. And, you know, who else knows where your journey will take you. But um, I want to thank you again. There would be no Great Minds, the podcast, without you, Mark, and without your team. And it's been a real pleasure having you. Our guest today, Mark Boyd. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Matt. All right. Ava! I would, I would love it if you could keep the end. So there's a bit where we go, thanks, thanks, Mark, and I say thanks. And then there's a moment of silence, and then he goes, uh, Matt goes, Ava! I just say, keep it Thank you very much for listening. And for more content just like this, visit advertisingweek360.com. 
Still to come on Great Minds in later episodes, if you've ever wondered what it's like to be a competitive eater, look no further than Crazy Legs Conte, coming up soon. I was too young. I was a rookie. I didn't know what that meant. And I go out there uh, before the season's announced, and we're on the any day now the Nathan's Hot Dog qualifying season could be announced. You have to win a qualifier, male and female, uh, and they advance to the finals. And there's a rumor, and this is a tough rumor for me, uh, that there might only be 12 qualifiers this year. 